Welcome to Article 23, your podcast all about making work work. I'm Rhonda Brighton-Hall, CEO and founder of Moi, and I'm joined on the line by James Hancock from our US office in Philadelphia. Hi there, everyone. Great to be back. Excited for this topic. Yeah, I am too. And I'm also excited to have you on the podcast. I mean, we, we think of the podcast as round a table, but, you know, not this time. And, it, and it's, it's great to see your face. Not that everyone else will see your face, but... <laughs> but now it's, it's around the globe, which is even maybe even better than the table. I think it's much better than the table. This is really cool. So this week, we're going to talk about a topic that you and I have talked about great, a great deal between each other. And it's sort of, at the moment, absolutely yeah. important. And that's what we call cultural plasticity. And it's a concept we've been thinking about and discussing between ourselves and with clients and things for, for a long time now. And, and that's sort of where we're at today. Yeah, love it. And I think such a good time to be considering this one. Um, it's clearly challenging times. Uh, being over here just down the road from <laughs> down the road in Philly, uh, just down the road from New York, uh, which is clearly becoming a bit of an epicenter hub. Hearing all the stories that I know everyone will have back home about, you know, Central Park being made into a makeshift hospital and kind of you know, Extra extraordinary, yeah. extraordinary to see those films, isn't it? It's just like, oh my goodness, it's surreal. Yeah, and all of that other stuff, you know, we call it different things, but what's happening around the world is the same. And hearing the amounts of money and the amounts of people impacted through all of this is in every way, not only health, but also economic and work is big. Yeah, it is big. And I think, you know, we in we're, each country has the same, their version of the same event. I certainly, you know, you're talking about the fact that the US you don't do anything by halves. And we look at those numbers and we go, oh yeah. my goodness, they're enormous. They're staggering. They're like, yeah, you know, the whole the whole working population in Australia could be no longer required in the US market, for example, the way it's looking. So that's pretty big. <laughs> yeah, and your $2 trillion relief fund already. $2 trillion plus, plus, plus is all I would say on that one. $2 trillion plus a whole lot of unemployment benefits and things being uncovered. But it's, yeah, I can't even fathom that amount of money. <laughs> Yeah, and, and Australia, we've, we've taken a different tack to it by the nature of the fact that we're an island. Um, yeah. But it's, um, you know, we've also got $130 billion plus plus and counting of support coming through and a hibernation period effectively for a, a large part of our economy. I mean, it's really, yeah. we've never seen this before. And I was reading that, like the, the comparison of 130 billion, you know, that's so tiny compared to here. But if you look at it from a GDP perspective, it's a big number. I think it's like 16% something like that, yeah. which is huge. Yeah, and I think, I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to hold society. They're trying to hold civil society as opposed to just the economy. And actually, that's quite, it's quite heartwarming, really, in a strange yeah. situation. Yeah, totally agree. And this, I reckon we, we could talk about this and many other people, like, forever. <laughs> probably. Yeah, and we, we could do that too. And we could talk about all the downsides, like the doom and gloom. And, you know, yeah. we've been talking this week about all the the practical things too, like the physical change to work. How do we stay connected? How do you look okay on Zoom? And, you know, don't stand up if you're in your underwear, all that sort Good of stuff. We saw that crazy I'll, video of that. Always wear clothes. Would be always wear clothes. <laughs> As a general rule, yeah. <laughs> for most jobs, Always wear clothes is a good bottom line. Yeah. <laughs> I, think yeah. That's, <laughs> I think that's important. And then the other conversation is about this pattern interrupt completely to what people, first of all, we're calling flexible work. But yeah. like the flexibility that I've got in my house, I can go crazy. I can go to my study. 
or I can go to the dining room or if I really feel wild, I can pick up my laptop and go in the back garden. But that's about it. That's as far as my flexibility goes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Totally get it. We've got Absolutely. a bunch of HR people that are trying to deal with that jarring structural change to work and trying to catch up and what are the legalities of that and everything. And I mean, I thought there was one yesterday, Fair Work just announced that you can have two weeks unpaid leave um, if you're in isolation. I'm like, well, even if they didn't announce that, you're going to take it anyway. Yeah, that's the right. That's, holding you in. <laughs> that's just sort of the balance of, of practice and the law not quite aligned or catching up or whatever. <laughs> but, um, no, um, not quite aligned. Not quite. But we are, we are also seeing some really amazingly visionary thinkers really thinking this forward and thinking outside the box. And one of those is a, a, a great friend of ours, which is a, a woman called Sam Boston, who's quite famous here in Australia, one of the um, most prolific and and exceptional um, non-executive directors and she's been interviewed by John Dury in The Australian and an article called A Crisis is a Chance to Make Society and it's very short like it's a really short read and you'll see it on LinkedIn and things I've shared it a bit too but looking at COVID-19 not as let me describe the problem again which is happening every day but actually a chance to reset and change the shape and direction of the economy where the we're not only measuring it on growth and I think there's a line in it that just makes me feel like it's so cool. And it basically says that this will be the last time we ever measure economy just on GDP, that we'll be looking at many other things, which I think is really cool. A chance to remake work so that it's not just for the very privileged or the very advantaged. Yeah, and I love hearing that, uh, that perspective from Sam. And I love hearing the thought of that and that going into the thinking of boards around Australia and hopefully over here and globally as well is pretty awesome. Um, yeah. Hopefully that becomes the norm. Um, but yeah, love that article is really good. The, the other sort of perspectives I was going to throw in, one was we sort of um, some calls over here that I've had with clients and, um, and connections and everything else, people in the network are the idea of both the grief cycle, which we wrote a little bit about last week uh, when talking about cultural plasticity and work-life plasticity, um, but also this idea of sort of change cycles and things like that. And just yeah. knowing they exist, you can look them up. We know what they are broadly, but just the pace of those. And we've sort of been talking about it as a comparison, the US and Australia, and just being at slightly different parts and going through similar things, just off step in timing a little bit. But now I think we're pretty yeah. close to each other. I just think that's yeah. interesting. And the one that we uh, spoke about as a group, and I think it's worth raising here and we can just kind of talk through it is... Um, even though we're in 2020, and I think this one probably almost goes back to 1920, so it'd probably be close to 100 years old, I'd guess, is Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah. And just how that looks and how, uh, you know, the thinking that I've seen and what we spoke about is how people are sort of regressed right back to the bottom of the hierarchy or the bottom of the pyramid in some sort of way. So you've gone from wherever you were, whether you're in the middle of belonging you had to go right back down to what's physiological, like what's your basic need? Do you have shelter? Do you have food? Um, yes, we can talk about all of the, you know, examples of chaos about toilet paper and packets of pasta, but at the end of the day, like you you were stripped right back to that. Yeah. And, and I also, we're stripped back to it a bit collectively too, which I know is a bit higher, but at the same time, it's sort of saying, just because you're safe, we now need you to do this so other people are safe. Yeah, that's right. You sort of look, 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 at, look at yourself and then you move that out to not only uh, collect, collective from a team perspective and then the organisation as well and that, that sort of combination, but then out to society more broadly too, right? We're seeing that a lot in the, in the examples that are kind of coming through, whether they're big or little, 
I think of sandwiches here in Philadelphia made by the local, you know, hospitality community that's been hit really hard, but is being sponsored to keep their employees in work. So that's sort of base, what are we doing here? Going out to yeah. hospital workers and stuff like that to give them a great meal, you know, given they're on the front line. So I think that's a, a nice little example. There's heaps of those, but it's about that collective sort of helping everyone through their hierarchy of needs. I think that's pretty interesting and pretty awesome. Yeah, I think it's, it is a reset. You know, Sam describes in the article, it's a reset of what matters and what we should care about. You know, and, and even before that, we sort of were starting to see some amazing examples of humanity. I, we, we pulled together from all of us all around the world an article called Beyond Business Continuity because that seemed to be the big discussion for a couple of weeks. Doesn't that seem like ancient history now? <laughs> but they were sort of talking about business continuity and we called it humanity is alive and well because it's you're seeing people do things and care about things that you know aren't really about business continuity. I mean, the, the number of clients that we've helped that said, I want to look after my team and just the joy that they find if they find a way to do that, that's just really all they care about. They're not really not thinking about their own financial position or the future or anything else. They're just going, how can I care for others? Yeah. That was pretty heartwarming. Yeah, and the speed, like I'm fascinated again and whether it's change or, or you know whatever you want to call it, but the way that, particularly smaller businesses, but I have no doubts larger ones too, just pivot so quickly. It's like last week we were doing this to kind of get- Last going. week and we were manly we're spirits. Yeah, we were manly <laughs> spirits. And now this week we're making hand sanitizer. And next week, who knows what it will be. But those yeah. are examples of, yeah, hospitality. A t-shirt company making masks. That was another one from yesterday. I mean, there's some really good examples where they're just going, oh my God, our frontline health workers don't have support and the equipment they need. Let's, let's make it. And they've just done it. And it's that's amazing. That would take, you know, months of, oh, should we do this? And what's the big change? Yeah. I'm sorry. I feel like that all of that is amazing context. And we like, yeah, could could go forever. But I think it's all really important scene setting for cultural plasticity too. Um, yeah. Is it okay? Can you remind us what that is? Because <laughs> yeah. it does. It does. Period of time. I've forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> it does sound a bit um, esoteric. And uh, we, we talk a lot about what matters in culture. And I know a lot of companies want to do big things. They want to sponsor an event or bring a dragon into the foyer or, you know, these big, this is who we are. Look at our incredible display of what we do. And actually, this is in video. I'm waving my arms around on a podcast. You can't see the waving arms. So they are very grand propositions that they put forward. This is, we are fabulous. And you should see us. I've written this amazing thing that everyone needs to share. But actually, when you talk about culture and what holds it, it is purpose, work that matters, you know, whatever that may be. It's belonging and feel like you're belonging to something that matters to you and lines up with who you are. And it's a relationship so that keep you really tight. And what we talk about with cultural plasticity is as society's expectations, individual needs, it can be both. In this case, it's society's expectations, that's speed. But inside that's a whole bunch of individual needs. And what we did is we wrote it into an article last week, just trying to summarize the thinking. And we call it smoke and mirrors or culture and what's connecting your team and will it hold? Yeah. And what cultural plasticity is within that, it's the ability for culture to reorganize and reform to cope with constant societal shift and massive jarring changes that we've got now and still be okay, still be connected, still be worthwhile, still talking about the purpose of the work. And I'm sure that frequent listeners might uh, be able to help recite some of the things I'm going to ask about next. <laughs> some of the things that you should be thinking about, worrying about uh, to help build and keep and hold cultural plasticity through it all. 
to kind of keep, you know, we disconnected and we went into isolation or hibernation, whatever, like lots of words used for it, but we were kind of world turned upside down with the flick of a switch. Um, how do we make sure we're reconnecting through all of that? What are some of the key things that we should be thinking about remembering? Yeah, I think um, I think it's really good because I know that we were, we were laughing about it a couple of weeks ago and we kept setting, you know, every five minutes we got another invitation from a law firm to listen to a webinar of how to turn on Zoom and work remotely and like that's... Yeah fine and that's one angle and they were just working out how to use it themselves right <laughs> <laughs> a few of them we saw did, a few of them did look like they had not actually worked that way before they were evacuated from the building that afternoon but yeah it was pretty yeah, funny that was serious, yeah. <laughs> but um what we know at these things so first of all the things people should be thinking about and you're right that we talk about this stuff a lot but it's so important and so many people at the moment are completely forgetting about it because they're thinking about the industrial instruments or the law or they're thinking about the technology but in the middle there is a whole bunch of human beings and this is what matters to them and the first one is purpose and it must be crystal clear unifying purpose that will hold through tough times so you can't suddenly move that around it needs to be absolutely this work we do together has meaning for all of us um, second one and this is the one that's really coming to the fore is relationships and the role that every single person plays in holding that so it's not just your leaders it's every single person in the team it's your immediate team and the circle beyond that it's your interrelationships and your other stakeholders it's clients that you might have spoken to for a few weeks and it's these relationships that will hold and and a lot of what we're doing for example on zoom is making them all a bit odd because we're sort of saying you know here's the instructions for zoom you must put up your hand you must and they're like oh my god that will be so weird we'll be a bit like the un you know we have to press the button and we've you know we've been in a few of those meetings you have to press the button so, and I am James Hancock, and now I'm going to talk about this. But that's not actually how a normal team works, not actually how normal relationships work. It does need to be banter. It needs to be overlapping a bit. I mean, that's how people talk with each other. Yeah. Yep. Third one is agency. And this is really tough to get right at the moment because that's the freedom to do work your way. It's the agency you have over doing it as a grown-up your way. And at the moment, there's very little freedom about how people have to work. You must work in your house with no one else except your family or people you share your house with. Yeah. Um, that's pretty restrictive. And so what freedom can you give people to have a little bit of wriggle room? Like might be simple things like saying, hey, you know, it might be great if a couple of the team without the leader got on the phone and solved a problem as opposed to every time we get together, the Zoom leader has to be the boss of the team and they have to set it up and they invite people in and host it. So getting it more open for people, I think, is really important. I think and the last one is accountability. Mm, I was just going to say, I think that, that I was thinking about that agency one a lot. So you you know, had whatever level of agency before, then a whole heap was taken away. And I was thinking there's absolutely, like, you can't put your finger on, you know, a personality type or any other thing. But um, there are people that will revel in this little bit of extra, maybe freedom, and other people that are like, you've given me too much because of this. Like, I do like <laughs> my routine, my frameworks, my... <laughs> you know, the structures I knew what it was like I was kind of you know yep worked through that but I we've of... already we actually had a client yesterday afternoon ring up and say we've got two people we just can't contact they've literally just wandered off they just ceased yep. to function with no structure whatsoever yeah yeah sorry I just thought yeah that's a good example and, and then and, and sort of working back to okay let's before you get upset with them let's talk about they might not be okay. Let's find that out first. Second thing, how do you get them back in a way that's enticing that they're actually motivated to come back? Yeah. And so they've got that purpose, relationships, agency, accountability, 
doing something that's meaningful, having people count on you and turn up for it and feeling like you should, like that sort of, I'm overwhelmed by life at the moment, I'm not going to turn up. That's really important to turn up. And then the last one of trust. So in absolutely key, again, in a pandemic world, in a virtually distributed world, in any world of work or life, trust is really important. You want to turn up with the people you want to turn up with. Yeah, yeah, couldn't agree more. So I think that's really good overview of cultural plasticity, what's important in that. Um, it's worth applying that, I guess, to give a little bit more uh, examples and stuff about what we've been doing, applying cultural plasticity and, uh, you know, the things that we do to help during COVID-19. So maybe we could have just a bit of a, an open chat about some of the examples that we've got on this. Um, yeah, well, because of what we do, I mean, you know, we, we've been frontline, people ringing up going, yeah. I don't know how to, what to do. I don't know what the industrial instruments, I don't, I don't know what to do. Like people are really panicking. And so... Yeah. Um, across the restaurant and the hospitality industry, we've been working with them to say, how do we, how do we organise this so that you can hold your workforce for the future, which is now, you know, that we were doing that six weeks ago and now that's called hibernation. We now know what it looks like and we were helpful in sort of framing up that what needed, what, what that needed to look like. But that's been really important to say, I actually want my business to come back out of this and my team to come back out of this, but right at the moment, I don't really know how to get them there. Yeah. Yeah, that one's big. And that probably applies to small businesses in general as well. So you've got restaurants, hospitality, but goes goes retail. beyond that. Gosh, retail. number of people from retail have rung and said, I absolutely don't know what to do because you literally can't open a store because everyone isn't allowed to leave the house. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's big uh, across everything. You mentioned a little bit about navigating through the whole, you know, legal work arrangements for people, and the communication approach. We've been doing a lot of work supporting clients on that. Yeah, and I think that's another one that's got, we've, we've done a lot of work on because people wanted to explain the business impact. And I'm like, you, you just have to appreciate right now that nobody cares. Like that's just not, everyone gets it. They're watching it 24 seven on newscasts, on radio. It's, it's everywhere. Yeah. So what you actually need to be doing is saying, we all know that this is a massive impact and here's what we're going to do to look after you or to support you as opposed to let me describe the problem again. People understand the problem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they don't know the impact, neither do you, but they know the impact on them, right? That's exactly right. And they want a hand. Yeah. And then we've got career transition and hibernation support um, yeah. that we've been working on to say, how do you hold this large group of people that are so important to you that are really uniquely skilled and know your workplace and your company how do you keep them safe and how do you keep them connected? And because a lot of companies, for example, we saw one company, for example, who did that really quickly, took away everybody's email addresses and then mm -hmm. went, okay, how do we talk to them? I'm like, well, you can't. Yeah. And we, <laughs> and we, and we got their mobile phone back and you're like, oh, they're tricky. <laughs> now you have no yeah. phone numbers, nothing. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, exactly. So you've really got to keep people connected to something where you can talk to them and um, yeah, so a lot of some of the work we've been doing has actually been in retrospectively refitting what people did, which was probably a mistake. And I think that's something to expect in the current standards too, is that everything's so fluid and changing that you might make a really excellent decision this week and in two weeks' time it'll be a stupid one and you need to fix it. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And I think that's sort of probably where we're going to leave the thinking on this one is just an open offer of help, if I can put it like that, to anyone that needs a hand or resources to help or anything like that. We've actually put that conversation that we've just had uh, down onto our website as well. So www.moi.live. If you search for COVID-19 in the search menu on the top right, you can grab this all this information, uh, yeah. our contact details. And we also have it on the menu as well, right? 
Ready and and by, na by nature of the way we work and, and the people we work with, um, we've been doing this work now for a couple of months, like it started yeah. at the end of January. And so it's, um, we've finally had the chance this week to sort of come up for air, not working 20 hour days, which was what the weeks looked like for a minute, but we've actually put it down and said, this is actually what we do. And this is how we've been doing it. And if there's anything in here that can help you, then grab it. So there's some things up there that are free as well, like just saying, um, um, 12 steps of how to get this organized, just giving people some chance to look after themselves yeah. um, and not talking just about mindfulness, but about how you set your own working life up, which is pretty important at the moment. If you, if you've kept a job, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. So that's up there on a landing page. You can see it all. If it's, as James said, www.moi.live uh, and then just go COVID-19 and you'll see it there. But in the meantime, um, we just want to wish everybody to stay safe, stay well, stay home. Yeah. Um, and hopefully we'll be through this um, sooner than the predictions. Hopefully it's, it's a, certainly a, a massive situation, but there's so much great humanity coming out of it too. That is the best and the worst of times. And yeah, I'm sure someone said that in a book or something. Didn't they? <laughs> yeah. And stay safe, stay well, stay home is uh, from a range of places, including the governor of New York. I just really like it. <laughs> it's an example. I think the, for my my role model this week, if we're giving role model leader awards yeah. out, would be we, the governor of New York. An award of how people, yeah, I like that. How and the police commissioner here in New South Wales, Mick Fuller. Yeah. Yeah, he is clear, clear and really good. Yeah. <laughs> clear and factual and it was interesting that yeah, people have been talking about facts over here a lot and when they're talking about facts what they're saying is really best available information and I think that's quite different actually fact and and best available but I think yeah, that's, you know, that's a people, good division yeah and if you know that people are constantly looking for best available information doing the best that they can knowing that it's fluid and constantly looking for best available then that's a great place to be and we should all be doing that and yeah we'll keep doing that Wish you well, stay safe, stay well, stay home. <laughs> Big more from Big us. Big more from us. <laughs>